So I haven't ordered you a spoon yet because I didn't know if you wanted a long spoon or a short spoon. Oh, I want the short spork. Yeah, but what happens if you're in a big bag of nor potatoes or nor noodles mm-hmm. and you got a scoop? See, Do you want? I a... have small hands, so my wrist can fit down the whole bag. Unlike yours, they might get stuck, so that's why you need a long spoon. But you don't want like wet fake cheese to be like on your knuckles. I won't. Okay, so you think a small one? Yeah. Okay. It's super light. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a spoon. Oh, you want the sp- No, you want the spork. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, I think mine's a long spork. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's a spork? Yeah, like it's a spoon with little... Oh, then I'll have the long one. What? I thought the long one was just a spoon and the short one was a spork. They have a long one that's a spork. Okay, I'll do the long one. With a spork? Yeah. Okay. If we talk so much about a spoon, how are we going to buy it? bigger gear? <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. A Long Walk North, a father and daughter hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. Today's episode is brought to you by Triple Crown Coffee, Purple Rain Adventure Skirts, and Mountain Equipment Co-op. Welcome to the podcast, A Long Walk North. I'm Dan DeVoe, and with me is my daughter, Chantel. This is a podcast that will cover planning and preparation of our northbound hike of the Pacific Crest Trail that we set out to complete in the spring 2023. Leading up to the trip, we're going to talk about our goals, fears, and plans for the hike. We're also going to talk to people who are planning a trip just like this and talk to hikers who have attempted and completed the PCT. In today's episode, we're going to learn about the trail, its five main sectors, geographical facts of each section, and some of the factors that you'll consider when planning a hike like this, like how much it's going to cost, how you manage food, your gear, and other logistics like permits and other tidbits. You can find this episode and past episodes on our website, along with a link that allows us to leave a voice message with any questions or feedback you might have. We look forward to hearing from you and answering your questions in this podcast and a future episode. We hope you enjoy. Hey, we hope you have, I mean, everybody, we hope everyone is safe and well as we're getting in into 2021, getting our feet wet into this new year, getting away from 2020. With our first episode introducing us to you, we thought we would take maybe the second episode and talk about the trail and help our friends and family understand it a bit better. Please go take a listen at episode one if you want to get to know us better. Let's introduce my daughter, Chantel, who's also on the line. We're not together in person. We're using Anchor to uh, record this. And she's in Ajax right now. She got off work. It's quarter to midnight. 
and uh, and we'll get you know we'll get going. So how are you? How have you been? How's school in in the world of COVID? How's work? Um, uh, hey everyone, I'm I'm doing pretty good. You know, school in like the COVID world, it's kind of hard just because you're basically like teaching yourself and stuff like that. But overall, it's pretty good. I'm staying on top of all my classes. Work is good. We've been pretty busy now that, I mean, we died down, obviously, like through the winter, but we just put out like coupons. So we're extremely busy. So I'm working a lot of hours a week on top of school. But other than that, been pretty good. So let's talk about the facts of the Pacific Crest Trail, also known as the PCT. It's America's second longest trail, and it was first proposed in 1926 and championed more in the 30s and 50s by Clinton Clark and the YMCA. It was designated as one of the first national scenic trails in 1968, along with the Appalachian Trail. It crosses 26 national forests, seven national parks, five state parks, and four national monuments. About 10% of the Pacific Crest Trail is on private land, and hundreds of thousands of people use the trail each year. How long is it? So the trail is approximately 2,653 miles long, and for the rest of the world's measurements, it is 4,265 kilometers. Did you know, and I don't know, you know, this is just a little side thing. I mean, basically the whole world, you know, measures things in kilometers, and the United States is in miles. Did you know that? Um, I thought it was just us in kilometers. I knew the states was in miles, but I didn't think anywhere. Basically, what you know, if you wanted to measure the distance from Mexico to Canada, you know, as a straight line, as the crow flies, as they say it, it would only be a thousand miles to go from Canada or Mexico to Canada. But with the PCT basically following mountain ranges along the way, twisting and turning with different switchbacks and curves, the, the distance is basically two and a half times that. And the total elevation gain or loss of this whole trail is ridiculous, with over 800,000 feet total of elevation change. That's like climbing Mount Everest 16 times to match that number. And also more people have climbed Mount Everest than hiked the PCT. Um, You know, throw in the trail being vlogged by, you know, lots of different types of hiker trash posted on YouTube. People are getting engulfed with the trail more and more. Uh, the idea of what it would be like to to hike it yeah you know how like youtube works like once you start to watch like videos on like some topic they show you more and more about it exactly so with the trail getting rerouted every year to provide better treadway better scenery or to move the trail away from like threats such as wildfires the trail can add or subtract about 10 to 20 miles to the total length every year but we also use the 2653 mark when we talk about the trail The wildfires in Southern California and in Oregon last summer has been pretty bad in the past couple of years. I know the PCTA works on agreements with private and federal land agencies to secure routes and special areas affected by the wildfires. And, you know, sorry to cut in, um, like shout out to a longtime elementary school friend of mine, you know, from Ajax, who's now living in in Oregon, Kelly Terrell. Um, me and her were chatting this past summer and we were just talking about the trail. Obviously she's excited that we're doing it, but we were talking about the wildfires cause she's up in Oregon and about how her community was sort of, you know, was getting closer. She was watching the news about the fires path and the tensions were rising. Um, but thank goodness it never came to that. You know, their community was safe. I mean, obviously a lot of people 
lost their homes and, and mm-hmm. the little towns and communities. Can't imagine all the you know devastating damage that that causes to to animals and and just people living in the affected areas. Oh um, yeah. Like I'm excited when we get up there where she lives. Uh, she's kind of close to Portland ish. Um, and it'd be kind of sweet to meet up with her for lunch or dinner. Don't know what our timing's like, but we'll keep her in the loop. Um, after all these years, it'd be kind of cool to, um, to introduce, you know, you to her. She sent me some photos around where she lives and some even her visit to Timberline Lodge. Is that the place you talk about with the all you can eat buffet? Yes. So (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of, you know, PTCers that, you know, they kind of set it up where they kind of camp near it so that, you know, the next morning, you know, they hit it when it opens. And, and I think obviously we'll have super hiker hunger when we get up there, but be kind of cool to like sit down, get our fill for breakfast. We'll probably be charging our stuff. We'll be, you know, if they got Wi-Fi, we'll be like chit-chatting with everybody. But then, you know, we'll probably hang out for lunch too. And then, and then we'll get back on trail. We'll, we'll camel up as they say, and get our fill in and we'll head back on trail. So anyways, carry on, boo. Well, the PCT stretches and climbs nearly 60 major mountain passes. Uh, that, that part scares me a little. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to wait for you at the top of them for you to finally get up each one. But it also descends into 19 major canyons and moves past a thousand lakes between Mexico and Canada. The trail starts in California and flows into Oregon and then into Washington before leading into the Canadian border. We'll break down the five sections later in the future episode, but the five sections consist of one, California, and the desert section. Number two is Central California and the Incredible Sierras. Mm. Three is Northern California, or NorCal for short. Four is Oregon, and Washington is the fifth. And you know what's cool? I guess, you know, the trail features considerable ecological variations from north to south. And it's kind of interesting where it changes so much over the distance, you know, traveled. It has these five distinct portions containing different plants, animals, climate, geology, uh, you know, forests with the sweet smell of cedar and fir, uh, combined with larch, hemlock, ponderosa pine are just abundant. And then when we start off in the desert, there's going to be obviously desert scrub is going to just dominate that southernmost part. Animal life along the path is going to include coyotes. I'll call them skinny, scared dogs. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, if I was small like you, I'd be scared. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. you'll have to stick by me so you're not eating on trail. (laughs) But, you know, kidding. Other other animals uh, will get you. Uh, like the black bears, deer, elk, marmots, pikas. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, it's pikas, yeah. Pikas, foxes, raccoons, and grouse. And so tell everyone, you know, tell everyone what we're going to be calling our tent. So we're going to be calling our tent the bear pocket. Po- no, the bear hot pocket. <laughs> exactly. Because on the PCT, they kind of call people who sleep in hammocks bear burritos but <laughs> since we're not you know we're going to sleep in a tent i thought let's just call it you know bear hot pocket because actually hopefully hopefully they don't bug us so yeah <laughs> you know do you know what a grouse is not really i have no idea they kind of look like pheasants you probably don't know what a pheasant is um it yeah. kind of looks like a fat brownish pigeon 
<laughs> oh gosh, careful. That might be your trail name. After a while, you will be a stinky, fat, brown, wandering thing, and you will be eating anything just like a pigeon. Hey now, hey now. <laughs> I think I'll put a link in the show notes uh, about a trail name generator. We, um, I posted on my Instagram or our Instagram for the tra- for the PCT. Um, but with trail names too, you know, you're not really supposed to name yourself. You're supposed to wait till someone names you and that name sticks. Uh, the generator was something like, you know, on someone's Instagram that I just sort of took a little screenshot. It's where you take your first letter of your first name and the birth month. And then you just find the two words in the list in the photo. Mine was Itchy Panda. Do you remember what yours was? Epic Hobbit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm sure we'll see some grouse in California. Uh, the first one, you know, first person to see one wins. Um, they actually have two species of native forest dwelling grouse. One is called the sooty grouse, something like that. And, and the other one's a ruffled grouse. So we'll talk about animals later. Uh, and when we talk about a little bit about our fears. So why don't you talk about the different sections of the trail and how it's kind of broken down? Sounds good. So we already talked about how the trail is broken down into five stages, the desert, Sierra, NorCal, Oregon, and Washington. But the trail is actually divided into 30 sections, which includes 18 sections in California, seven in Oregon, and five in Washington. The average length of each section is 91 miles. So how many days would that take to hike? Um, well, I mean, let's say someone does 15 miles a day, uh, mm-hmm. 15, 15 is 30, 16, uh, six days. Um, mm-hmm. so that could be anywhere from like four to seven days, I guess, on each section, just on average. I mean, there's some that are a little bit longer. There might be like a nine day stretch and, yeah, and a lot of like little three day stretches. It's, it all depends on what part of the trail too. I mean, you know, if there's a lot of elevation gain or in the snow, you're going to be going a lot slower. Yeah. Um, starting the trail with new legs, you know, you're going to go slower. But then when you're in Washington or Oregon, you're going to have, we're going to have our trail legs. So we're going to go faster. You will see different sections on the PCT map PDF that everyone looks at on the PCT website. They're broken down in the section A, B, C, and D for the different states. What I'm doing now on our website, I'm kind of we're kind of virtually hiking each leg, and it's in our trail notes section. Uh, this winter, I'm going to keep going. I think we have about 14 uh, sections completed. That basically gets us through the entire 700 mile desert section. So the next section for me, like in February and March, is kind of virtually hike the Sierra section, which is like I've watched it a lot on YouTube, but I've never really gone through it with like a fine tooth comb and 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 just like check out the route and, and try to calculate how long it's going to take us yeah like for northbounders like us the trail begins in the desert and winds its way through six of north america's seven eco zones yeah and that's what we talked about earlier is moving north on the trail the landscape's going to change and we're going to experience so much difference in climate yeah, in its hottest stretches, like temperatures can top 100 degrees Fahrenheit and hikers often cover 20 to 30 miles of the trail between water sources because the longest waterless stretch on the trail is 35.5 miles, which is a lot. Yeah, I can't, you know, I don't even know what that is in kilometers, but that could be. It's a lot. I know that. 55-ish, my guess. Yeah, probably around there. 
I mean, we we hiked. So in Ontario, uh, a little while ago, a couple of years ago, we went we went camping, mm-hmm. and to Silent Lake in Ontario. Yeah, and then we they had a sixteen kilometer hike. Yeah, it was sixteen kilometers. So it took us like six hours. We had lots of breaks. Yeah, yeah. So did. it's sort of like I think in this trail, like we're gonna say like, okay, well, to get to this next town, we got to do three Silent Lakes. <laughs> Great, because <laughs> Silent Lake. I'm not even gonna lie, it was hard. And so like, that might be I'm... ten miles. Like yeah. 16 kilometers is like 10 miles. So we're going to do kind of like a silent lake every day. Yeah. I know beginning. like when me, you and Noah like did it like after we all just went to bed right after like we were completely <laughs> done. <laughs> and then there's like and then there's bears too. Right. Or there could be bears. Oh, yeah. So I'm constantly looking behind us and I'm looking way off in the distance. I'm looking <laughs> for these big, big fat brown blobs in the distance. <laughs> like hiding or walking around yeah and then you're supposed to talk you know we're supposed to talk out loud right like mm-hmm. and so the first 14 kilometers of the of the you know we're talking we're chipper chapper and all that stuff the last two kilometers we're, t- we're, we're just walking we're tired oh nobody yeah. wants to talk anymore we're just no, it was like we want to get five kilometers. i swear once we got to like 10 kilometers we were, we just went dead silent <laughs> <laughs> exactly so and always like the last you know kilometer or two kilometers it's always the longest because you're just you're waiting for that next mile marker remember when we were yeah. counting the mile markers <laughs> so but you know you were talking about how hot like really really hot temperatures mm-hmm. um and that that kind of worries me a little bit um just with heat stroke i mean you don't yeah. really, like yeah i don't know you might not know what heat stroke is but i i got it before i got it last like two summers ago I sat on a rooftop in Niagara with my friends. We were out there for like six hours and I completely died. I felt so sick and I didn't know what it was. Yeah, you kind of, it can, you, but then imagine if you're an old fart like me. Like it <laughs> can kind imagine. of, for, we'll do, I mean, we'll talk about it like in a future episode and, and, and later because it is, you know, obviously it's a danger. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some dangers later on. Um but those long water carries also comes with the weight of that. I mean, a liter, yeah. a liter of water weighs 2.2 pounds. So if we were carrying, I don't know, four to six liters of water, that can add a lot of weight and put a lot of strain on your back. It's going to be mm-hmm. interesting to see what our PCT year is like weather-wise. Um, and and it's, it's just going to be crazy to think about. So hopefully it's not a super dry year and finding water is very difficult. Yeah. Uh, but on the other side, um, we're going to have to look to see what the snowfall is like. Um, in 2019, mm-hmm. it was sort of a record. It was a really hard year to do it because there was so much snow, like ridiculous amount of snow in the Sierras. Yeah, that's crazy. And so when you move into that central California and into the Sierras, some people were, the snow was like too high that, like it was like an extra 20 feet of snow. Oh my gosh. Like, like Yeah. So some people went around it and then they would come back later to do it when the snow's gone down. Mm-hmm. So when the snow's really hard, high, it's hard. And then when it starts to melt, the rivers are like flowing oh, yeah. super high and super dangerous. Um, but as we move into central California, we're going to wind through different mountain passes and meadows and forests through the Sequoia, Kings Canyon, which is just incredible yosemite national park which the trail goes through which is really cool 
uh, we're going to do some trailcations, like like a vacation on trail. Sweet. So, so it'd be nice to kind of maybe go take a look at Yosemite for, I don't know, a week or, or oh, five yeah. days. Because we, you know, we're walking by it, so we might as well go in. <laughs> it's just epic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I have I've, I made some blog posts on the on the on the uh, on the website. So in the show notes, I'll put some links too, so if people want to check out Yosemite. But on YouTube, there's a lot of stuff on Yosemite. Um, but anyways, it's going to pass by different monuments uh, like the Devil's Postpile National Monument, and obviously that elevation game. So the highest point of the whole PCT is Forester's Pass, which is at thirteen thousand. Well, just basically 13,000 feet. Uh, it's yeah. near Mount Whitney in the Sierra Nevada. And that's another little side trip we're going to do is is if the weather is is right and the conditions are right and safe mm-hmm. enough, we'll we'll try to summit that mountain. Yeah, that would be cool. Yes. And so uh, the trail, I mean, obviously the trail just keeps going. It proceeds through Northern California, heavily forested. You know, we're going to get out of the snow onto more paths. And we're going to go through like Lassen Volcanic National Park, which is really cool. Um, you haven't really seen it on YouTube because we've been watching a lot of YouTube stuff that is more early on in the desert and, and the, mm-hmm. the Sierras. But that's that part's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, California is the longest state to hike at, at 1,700 miles, which is about 64% of the trail. And to put to like put that into perspective it's like walking from toronto to the southern tip of florida and you still have around 200 miles like you're still 200 miles short and that's crazy and even though we don't even know what it's like to walk who walks to florida and even in our we take they, Ubers. yeah and it's just like in our other uh episode one i said i was like walking from toronto to vancouver but who the hell's gonna do that but <laughs> but you know between the both of us you know, we're probably just to get to Oregon. We're gonna we're gonna probably go through six pairs of shoes between us to just get to that border. Which That's is sometimes crazy. while they say hikers get the NorCal blues, meaning like, can you imagine? You know, you're on this trip. You got to go through California, then Oregon, then Washington, mm-hmm. and you might take it might take us four months just to get through California. So sometimes it gets you down because you're like, you just you haven't we haven't completed one state yet yeah so it kind of gets you down um just feels like it's taking forever to walk you walk for months without just getting out of california um where you know trudging up and down seven thousand nine thousand foot mountain passes when we finally get to that dirt trail we'll have our hiker legs and we'll just zip forward through norcal and just wanting to get to that next state oregon what should we do celebrating crossing the state line? Mm, I mean, sometimes people, you know, whatever the, the, I don't know what town it is before, but sometimes, you know, they get champagne or beer or Ooh, yes, or cupcakes or, mm. you know, like a cake. Um, we, I don't know. We should have a drink of something. Yes. Um, you know, maybe something new. I, you know, sometimes people have a new hiking shirt. Because I don't know what our hiking shirts will look like after 1,700 miles. Our new hat. Yes. Yeah. I mean, think about this. If it takes you 1,700 miles to get just through California, you'll be refreshed crossing the border in Oregon, where it's only 457 miles to Washington. That that sounds very easy. Like 457 yeah. miles. 
Yeah, that sounds like so small, but some hikers try the Oregon challenge and try to hike that in two weeks. I mean, hopefully we're still good with time left to get to the border that it's not this huge race. Um, it is nice to kind of slow down a little bit. Like the people who do that challenge, they're sometimes hiking like 30, 35 miles a day. And sometimes even hiking, like jacking it up to try to get through it in two weeks. Sometimes people get injured. But, yeah. you know, it is nice to like, I don't know if we'll do that challenge, but sometimes it is nice to get to camp early, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so we're not bagged. And, you know, if we see some cool lakes, you know, we could take a dip, swim in them. Yes. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some really cool places to jump in. I mean, sometimes when you watch videos, people go by these cool things. I'm like, dude, yeah. go, go jump in, you know, like you're probably dirty as hell. Yeah, YOLO. Exactly. So, I don't know, it'd be nice to enjoy some camp evenings, uh, you know, instead of just eating dinner, wanting to go to bed right away that we're so bagged at Hiker Midnight. Wait, what's Hiker Midnight? We're going to be doing, like, I thought about doing another podcast about trail lingo. We might do that for episode three or whatever, but we'll go through the different lingo and we'll include that one. I mean, we watched in a vlog about doing the 24-hour challenge where you see how many miles that you can do in that period. Yeah. So sometimes when in that Oregon challenge, they basically try to hike as much as they can in 24 hours to see, you know, they might sleep for three hours, but they're Mm -hmm. just, you know, they're trying to go to like 40 miles or it's just, it's ridiculous. It's like, it's kind of like the race to Canada when you got your trail legs are super strong. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, moving like the lowest elevation is in this section where along the PCT is just above sea level at the Oregon and Washington border. You got the bridge of the God. So that's right at sea level. Um, I don't even think you know what that is, but don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how like you have a mountain, right? A mountain could be like 10,000 feet. Yeah. So sea level is like, let's say that's zero, right? Mm-hmm. so a mountain that's 10,000 feet it's 10,000 feet above sea level that's the measurement right but as you're walking if you were right beside the sea you're at sea level you're at zero. Oh, so then you still have to go to 10,000 miles no 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 like <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it <laughs> like okay so you know how there's elevation right like the, like yes. the height of a building Mm-hmm. right you got the ground floor is at zero right on yep. the street and the top of the building could be ten thousand feet up mm-hmm. so as we're hiking up and down these mountains you know when we go over foresters pass we're at thirteen thousand feet above mm-hmm. sea level right so the air is thinner it's harder to breathe and that's just the oh. measurement yeah and then so right at the border of oregon and washington is they have this bridge, they call it Bridge of the Gods, like a bridge kind of it'll walk, walk, walk across this uh, river. And mm-hmm. that's right at sea level. So we're kind of like, well, like we're like in Ajax. We're at like sea level, <laughs> right? Because we're not in the mountains. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyways, uh, so the last stretch before the Canadian border is Washington. You know, it's the home stretch, which is 500 miles which is really the final 20% of the hike. So you got California is huge. Oregon, what, 457, something like that. 
And then Washington's another short one, 500 miles. Um, now, this portion is very rainy, frequently raining. And this is later on in the year, too. Um, so we have the chance of snow. And that's why it's like that race to Canada. Because we need to, if, it, if the snow happens too much, like we're going to have to cut our trip because it will be too dangerous oh, wow. to go. So... The path, you know, obviously crosses different mountain ranges, beautiful mountain ranges, the North Cascades, Mount Rainier National Parks. There's there's so many national parks and mountains, it's ridiculous to name them all. Uh, for northbounders like us, we're going to be in race mode, trying to make it before the snow flies. And some international hikers like us, we have visas, so we can only be in the States for, now I don't know what it's like, I haven't done the research for Canadians, but if somebody's coming from Europe, they can only be in the States for 180 days. So oh, wow. there's some people that have to kind of cut their trip short because their visa runs out. But we'll have to look that up. You know, our northbound finish line, obviously, is the northern terminus, also known as Monument 78. Inside the monument, you know, you find hikers notes telling of adventures, experiences, thanks uh, along the obviously the you know magnificent trail. The International Boundary Commission it sounds i don't even know what the hell that is but it states that the monument is the 78th boundary monument from the pacific ocean along the 49th parallel and that's kind of like so that's kind of why they call it there uh, they call it monument 78 because it's the 78th monument if you counted them but since then because this was done like many many years ago many monuments have since been added to the original monuments to increase the visibility along the border so you don't get lost and like, whoopsies, I'm in Canada. Whoopsies. Went for a walk. <laughs> um, but most of the boundary work in the area was done in 1901, 1905. And these monuments mark the exact line of the international boundary. Um, the PCT monument that hikers pose on for their Instagram pictures, it's actually on the U.S. side of the border. And on the Canadian side, there's a seven mile of 11 kilometer stretch of the trail was added by the Canadian government. In British Columbia, so that hikers can can follow that route, for, you know, north. The people who have the proper paperwork to get into Canada, there's nobody there at the border, but you need to have it with you in case they're, you know, if they do, if they're there checking, or later on they'll check your paperwork, like your passport, in a way. So hikers can keep walking north and make their way to Manning Provincial Park, and and then you can catch a bus. I think there's a daily bus on the Trans-Canada Highway that, you know, will get you into Vancouver. Obviously, for people hiking it, make sure you got the proper paperwork, you know, needed to get into Canada from the United States. If you actually don't have the paperwork, you have to go up, tag the border, take your little pictures, drink your champagne, yell and hoot, holler, and then you got to hike back and go back south to the nearest junction, where then you can, like, I don't know, get yourself to Seattle so you can make your way home wherever you live if you're from the United States or, or from anywhere. Together the Pacific Crest Trail, the Appalachian Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail are known as the triple crown of long distance hiking in the United States. Someone who successfully through hikes all three like of these trails is known as the triple crowner which is just crazy to think about. I mm. mean yeah which of those long distance hikes would you be interested in doing? Well Okay, so let's say we're not going to count the PCT. I think, I think, I think the Appalachian Trail would be cool. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of mountains. It's on the East Coast, 
the Continental Divide, it's very remote. I think the Appalachian Trail would be cool. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's like, who knows? Maybe, maybe after we do the PCT, not right away, but we might get hooked a little bit of just like unplugging from the world for six months and, yeah. and doing these trails. Um, you know, obviously I'll be in my old man rocking chair and say, shit, we might as well do the Continental Drive. Continental Drive Trail right now and be tripping out it. <laughs> right? But right now, I think my mind is just waiting for April 1st. Why this April? Oh, because that's like, I mean, I'm always telling you how many days away this trail is, but that's, so this April, this will be our one year away from being one year away. <laughs> and like, and then, you know what? When we're inside of one year away, my mind will be in logistics mode. My mind is, I think about the trail every day. Oh, we you know. know. But, but then I'll be in complete logistics mode. What's my health mode? I mean, this April 5th, you're going to be turning 50. How are you going to celebrate that? You know, it's rough. It's a rough year because... And, you know, it's funny because even on Facebook, like, you know, I'm starting to see friends celebrate 50. And it kind of sucks because, you know, they can't go... Like, sometimes when people hit these milestones, they want to go, like, on a big trip, a big cruise. They want, like, a big, huge party. And you can't really do that nowadays, right? With COVID and all that stuff. (laughs) So it's kind of a hard time to celebrate. We can't go on a trip anywhere, go on the other side of the world. I mean, I'm happy we went on a cool trip to Europe for 18 days in the summer of 2019, which to me, it still feels like last year, yeah, you know, because last year was just a write-off, didn't you know, except for you, because little kids don't think about COVID and they just go out every day with their friends. But, <laughs> but you know, this past summer that we just had, we were going to go to Thailand in yeah. Vietnam, which... I have no idea if mom would let us. We'd probably have to tell her we're going to like, I don't know, New York City or something. Yeah. But but that would have been, a, yeah, that would have been a ridiculous trip. Just getting you and Noah out of your comfort zone. Um, see, this trip for us on the PCT is going to kind of do that, but in a different way. You know, it's going to unplug us from life back home from the nine to five from the constant, you know, touching apps to see, you know, what's new on our phones. Mm-hmm. Um, the PCTA, you know, website, I think it basically says that there's 7,700 people that have completed the trail over the history of it. And about a hundred of them, that sounds so small though, in a way, but a hundred people that have done it more than once um, mm-hmm. fully. Now, you know, the PCTA, it uses the honor system, so when you do complete it, you just alert them, you know, you give them your details, they put you on the website, they recognize you. Since 2020 was such such a shit show, trying to hike it for people, because, you know, people were hiking it, they had it planned. I mean, these people, they have big commitments. They, they either quit their job or, or get permission from their job to take off for six months. And then when the whole COVID stuff hit, you know, um, you know, you had state or federal agencies telling people to like stay inside that you know and then the association was telling people to get off trail and a lot of people did they postponed their hikes to like this year which still not still not doing that great in the states and canada too yeah but any of the people who continued to hike it and a lot of people were really trying to be because you know they were just hiking it they were kind of in the bush like 
they're not affecting anyone. But any any through hiker, you have to go into town. You got to get groceries. You're going to be mingling with people. You could be putting them at risk. They could be putting you at risk. But anyways, the PTCA unfortunately didn't recognize anyone who completed it last year. So I'm not sure exactly how many people finished it, but I think that tally's got to be over eight thousand people that completed it um, at the moment. You know, we're completing a list of vloggers who who we just adore. Um, I'm I'm finding vloggers. I mean, YouTube's showing me you know people to watch, and also we're gonna have a list of vloggers on our website if people wanted to kind of watch. What I guess what we recommend is gripping like if it's a long series or even just a short series depending on what you want to watch or even smaller little documentaries but we're going to have that in the show notes too on our website dad why don't you tell people about like what the pacific crest trail association does and like who they are yeah sure thing i mean i mean the mission of the uh, of them is to protect preserve promote the trail there's like 9,000 members and donors. So a lot of people donate money to it because, you know, they help maintain the trail. It actually has, you know, close to 2,000 volunteers who collectively donate their time, their energy, their efforts. And, and that time basically equals hundred close to 120,000 hours more, over 360 different projects a year. Um, it's a major partner of the U.S. Forest Service, you know, managing the trail, trail maintenance, um, constructing signage, and advocating for the PCT on, on a local, state, and federal level. Um, before I hand it back to you, we should talk about permits, since hikers will go through the PCTA to get one to hike the trail. Generally, permits are required for overnight travel in wilderness areas, national parks, uh, California state parks, and other restricted areas. The PCTA issues long-distance hiking permits for people traveling on trips over 500 miles on a continuous trip. Complete information is on the website, on their website. So plan in advance to ensure that you get one. Basically, instead of going to get like little individual permits of all these little forests and national parks, you can just get one permit. It's free. It's for the PCTA that covers, you know, from top to bottom or, or depending you know, which direction you're hiking. So the U.S. Forest Service authorizes the PCTA to issue 50 permits a day for people going northbound, starting between the Mexican border and Sonora Pass, which is in the Sierras, um, between March 1st and May 31st. So that's when people can start March 1st. Let's say, let's say that's legally, um, which is really, really early because mm-hmm. it, it's really, really cold in the desert, and up to May 31st. So 50 people starting a day because they don't want everyone to just – it's kind of regulated, yeah. right? So there's, there's this huge population every day. Imagine 50 people starting off. Some people walking fast, some people walking slower. They also issue 1,400 permits for section hikers who are doing the John Muir Trail overlap. And what the John Muir Trail is, I'm going to learn more about it, but it's in the Sierras. It's a really popular, like, you know, you're just, it's like for people like, like I'm going hiking in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, but the PC, like the PCT is on the John Muir Trail for a stretch. So there'll be, there's people that well, we're going to meet people that are just hiking the John Muir Trail, which is, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, 
they issue 600 permits for people that are starting in the southern Sierra. Because some people maybe just want to go the Sierra and start north from the Sierra. Um, 15 permits per day for southbound trips starting near the Canadian border between June 15th and September. So they kind of have a different calendar that southbound people use because they start their trip up near at Canada, basically. They started in June 15th. So between June 15th and the middle of September, they start their trip to hike south. Other permits that we need, um, there's a California fire permit. It doesn't give us permission to have a campfire, um, but you have to have one of those uh, permits. It really just allows you to cook on a camp stove. Oregon and Washington don't require fire permits. I mean, things can change as well. I mean, obviously... The risk when it's really dry in the summer, like last summer, was just awful. So, and a reminder to people like Oregon and Washington, please, you know, fill out the permits when you pass by a little permit box. It's just like an honor system. It's just like you sign a little register. That helps them understand how many people are using using an area. In case there's something that happened, they kind of maybe know, like, oh, my God, there could be 30 people in this section, you know, hiking. Um, lastly, I, we said this before, but if you're entering Canada via the Pacific Crest Trail, you need to have a Canada PCT entry permit. I think even just Canadians have to have oh, really? one. I mean, obviously, yeah, they'll let us in because, you know, that's our home country. But we'll, we'll do that research, you know, when, it, when, when it's time to. Uh, I've been talking for a little bit. So why don't you go over, I don't know, how much time people should factor in for completing, you know, the full Pacific Crest Trail. Yeah, well, I mean, like, through hiking, the PCT is a long-term commitment, obviously, and for the average hiker, it takes about four to six months, which is a really, really long time, but you're basically Absolutely. hiking anywhere from 10 to 20 miles a day, which is the norm, but most people walk faster, obviously, like, in a hot desert, but by the time you get to the Sierras, you've hiked over weeks and gone 700 miles, so that you'll have, you'll definitely have your trail legs by then. But the elevation gains and possible deep snow can definitely slow you down. Yeah. Absolutely. But don't worry, some days you can take a zero or don't clock any miles at all. A zero is like a day where no miles are hiked. And a nero is a day where a little bit of miles are hiked, usually to get into like get into and out of town mostly. You know, we're, we're going to definitely take some zeros. And I think, <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do you think we would do? on a zero let's say we got town day you know you're you're walking three days you're thinking about town what you're going to do in town what are you thinking about what do you want food, like, to do food that's not like oatmeal and like garbage stuff that we've been eating for weeks Nuts yeah and... like a mcdonald's would be really nice <laughs> that's what i'm thinking about yeah ice yes, cream ice cream you know milkshakes yes, wi-fi <laughs> yes wi-fi yeah a plug. Yes, that would be great. Maybe a shower. Maybe a shower would be nice. You know, wash your clothes. If you get into town and you see a restaurant, but you you actually stink, and maybe you're not even you don't even notice you stink because you're been, so used to it. It's your smell, and you're used to it. Do you have a shower first, or you just go? I like, would have a shower first. And... I don't know about you, but I definitely would. I mean, there's coin showers. You know, they're kind of like, you know, when you go camping and you go into these like little showers yeah. and that you put some quarters in or whatever. <laughs> okay. So the, sometimes there's coin showers. 
sometimes there's no showers. Great. You know, I don't know. Maybe there's a hose oh, or something. Please. I have no idea. Like you've done the re- like I made you do some research to find out more of like how long it takes. What about like experienced hikers? Like like what are like some of the the fast people? Like what would they do the trail? So experienced hikers like usually finish the trail in less than two months, which is crazy. But a speed hike, I can't imagine. Yeah, like a speed hike is no easy feat. The few who have finished it in under a hundred days average about thirty miles of hiking a day. But Dad, why don't you tell them a little bit about our hike going Nobo and our plan? I think we're going to take it slow when we start. Um, you know, we won't know exactly what our start date will will be. Like, there's certain dates where you you apply for your permit. Um, in my mind, I kind of would like to start, let's say April first, or maybe that's a jinx day. Maybe not April first, yeah. but you know, first week of April. In Halfway Anywhere's great website, but in Halfway Anywhere's website, he has a 2019 survey um, surveying the people. The You know, the, the 2020 survey just came out, but obviously not a lot of hikers hiked it. So I got some stats from the 2019, which, you know, a, a lot of people hiked it. And over 800 hikers did the survey. So basically, April 15th was a Northbounders average starting date based on the date they got um april 23rd was the average date a nobo's preferred start date so of all the people who wish of what if they could pick their start date most people would want to go april 23rd i on the other hand would like to go because i don't know like i want to go a little early and start off and ease into it and take our time and chill out more and just because we're gonna do a little bit of a podcast a little bit of editing it'd be nice to go swimming you know it'd be nice to like not be so bagged where we just fall asleep like so early after Mm -hmm. dinner um hopefully the bugs aren't bad and it forces into the tent uh or our hot pocket as we call it a bear's hot pocket so going back to the survey people who started in the first two weeks in may like for the people who that they got that date or or maybe even they picked it like that's the date they wanted they kind of expressed that they wish they started a little bit earlier because maybe they were a little bit rushed because you know you you have this deadline to get to canada and you got to get there before like the snow flies and you're trapped and you can't go any further and you have to stop your hike that would just be awful like like two months ago basically I went to a dollar store and I bought some desk calendars and so I could roughly map out how far we might travel each day even though who knows we might get injured be a little tired or maybe we're going really strong or whatever because I'm gonna get in shape (laughs) so and I made a little YouTube video which is actually on our little YouTube channel um, because I made it kind of to update our Patreon kind of people but I, I posted it on there so, and it shows the desk calendar. So I just picked April 1st and I actually looked at the trail and looked at each leg. It's like, oh, you know what? This leg, it's this many miles. Okay, we'll probably break it down in three days. And then when we get to this town, we're going to stay two days, you know, and we'll have a little bit of a break. So we're kind of going slow. So for the, the desert section, I basically mapped out the first two and a half months on this desk calendar. And are walking, like, we're walking the pace of a 10-month hike. 
Meaning if we keep walking that slow, don't get me wrong, it's not slow. But if we keep walking that pace, it's like we're going to finish the trail in 10 months. So obviously we're going to pick up the pace, maybe not in the Sierras. We will pick it up. But basically I just want to say is I want to start a little earlier to have a little bit more zeros, to take it easy, just to when we get into Kennedy Meadows, which is kind of like the end of the desert section, and we're in the gateway to the Sierras, we're, we're in good shape. And along the way, we'll, we'll know more about what the snow's like, what the river crossings are like, and and maybe we might pick up the pace a little bit, and maybe we might slow it down, because if the snow's too high, and we're waiting for it to melt, we'll go a little slower. So we'll take it as we go. Um, so back back to some more facts and stats and stuff. So people generally say a good start date would be May 1st. Um, since by the time you get through that 700-mile section, the snow's melted. The rivers are not as dangerous. So for us, leaving Campo, which is at the border, we're going to take our time. I'm only factoring in going about 10 or 12 miles a day. So that will be like a Silent Lakes hike or or a little longer than a Silent Lake, but not too much. Maybe take a little bit more zeros. So after that, after the Sierras, we're going to pick up the pace for the rest of the trip when we hit NorCal, get out of the snow. June 10th was the average date that people usually arrive at Kennedy Meadows and start the Sierras based on the survey. The daily average miles for those northbounders that how long they took to get to Kennedy Meadows, they actually averaged 12.6 miles, um, which is 20 kilometers, you know, put into Canadian uh, for our perspective. More survey facts, the average days to complete the trail, the entire trail was 155 days, which I asked Google, you know, um, you know, and Google said that's a little bit over five months. <laughs> Those hikers took about 155 days to do the trail when of those 155, they were hiking for 135 of those days. The average amount of zeros was close to 20 and about 15 Neros for people going northbounders in 2019. And then of the people that hiked it, 16% of those hikers wish they kind of slowed down more. 21% of them surveyed wish they journaled more. 52% of them wish that they took more photos of the people they met along the way. Sometimes hard to do to like take photos of people, but you you build these great relationships. So it's it's kind of neat to kind of document the people you meet along the way. On the other hand, though, eighteen percent of the people in the survey wish they spent less time. That's in not going to be us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they kind of call it like a vortex because it just sucks you in, and it's hard to get out sometimes because you're like, well, we should wait until like at least have dinner. <laughs> Get a, get a big full belly, and then we'll get back on trail. And the next thing you know, maybe you have some beers, and you're like, ah, well, we'll go tomorrow morning. We'll, let's get a hotel or motel or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, this year, uh, I'm excited to follow some members. Um, there's this group. It's called Thruer. I'll put a, a link in the show notes. It's kind of a little PCT community. Carol, who hiked the trail in 2019, and she's going to be on the podcast. She's going to be one of the people that we're going to interview She's such a busy lady, but she said she's going to make time for us. She's building this cool little community. So we have these little Zoom meetings. Chantel's been very busy. And why well, I haven't I even asked sense. her. So, yeah, it's they're kind of on when you're probably still sleeping. Yeah. Um, but they have regular Zoom meetups. 
Um, and anyways, there's four people in the last meetup that we had and they're, you know, they're going this year. So it's kind of cool to follow them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But quick question. How do people decide on which direction people should travel? Like, should you go northbound or should you go southbound? Choosing between going northbound or southbound, I guess it's it's a bit of an important choice because the weather is kind of starkly different depending on whether you're going to start up in Canada, come south, or, or, or like us and go north. It's smart to consider your health and fitness before choosing which direction. People that are going Sobo or, or southbound, they start in the middle of June. Like we talked about it, they got, the, got that two-month window between June and mm-hmm. September. If you begin in Canada, you have to actually go to Hearts Pass in Washington, hike up, tag the border, we kind of talked about that, then, then walk down, giving you a little bit of extra miles, no big deal. But when you start off, be, and being in June, like you think June, oh, summertime, hot, and it is, mm-hmm. but they have June up in the mountains. So the higher you get up in elevation above sea level, you can, you're going to hit snow, sometimes snow and ice. So... For them, they start off in high mountains, which is hard. They start off in snow, cold nights. We're going to start off in the desert, a little bit flat, relatively flat. There's some hills, but nothing like them. And so Sobo hikers, when they come down, when they finally get to the desert, it's going to be cooler because it's fall in the desert. So when they're wrapping up their hike, water's harder to find because a lot of the creeks are already dried up. There's less people hiking that come southbound. So there's just less chitty chat people and you're just, you're with your thoughts more. So you kind of enjoy nature more. People going Sobo, it's kind of a little bit harder to follow the trail southbound. It feels like, I know they have signs facing their way, but there's more signs and more, way more people go northbound. So there's just way more signs going northbound. So keep in mind, 90% of the PCT through hikers, they go northbound because the weather, the logistics, they're just less challenging when traveling north. People going southbound, they just have to do it a lot faster. So they just do more miles. So by mapping out the anticipated weather for each location, it's going to help you, you know, your resupply strategy for adding and taking away gear for different stretches. So as we hike, you know, we might have certain gear for the desert, but when we get into the mountains, we might ship stuff home and get new stuff, or we'll get mountain stuff or stuff for colder, harsher climates. The YouTubers you see, they're going nobo because I watch a lot of videos. You watch a little bit of videos. We kind of, after a while, we're going to know the sort of order of the trail, like which towns are next and and how the trail is going to look. It's easier to make friends in the desert because remember I was saying like 50 people start each day. There's this huge bubble of people. Kind of like at night at camp, sometimes, you know, you see these people again or they might hike up ahead. They're like faster than us, but then they might take a bigger break. They might get injured. So sometimes you're always like bumping into people and then you think like you'll never see them again because they're like super fast. But then again, you see them like a week later. So you're always bumping into people. So it's easier to make friends. So basically, like they always say that the desert's going to be more crowded and hot when you're going Nobo. And those extra people can help, you know, leaving notes to help you guide along the trail, 
warn you about rattlesnake up ahead or beehive up ahead. How do people, like, train for it? Well, I mean, you're more stronger than me. You're in shape. Yes. Uh, so, so both of us will go on some shakedown hikes. They call it shakedown hikes, you know, to get used to the functionality of our gear and cooking for ourselves. Like next spring, I'd like to go to Tobermory yeah, with some, yeah, with some friends and stuff and do like a little three day hike. We got a Guanquin park, which is close. There's like 72 kilometer loops. So people do that in like three day, three to three or four day hikes. And we'll get used to setting up our camp. You, you might not wear certain clothes because you're like, I don't need to change. I can just wear the same. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever. So these shakedown hikes are, are to, to help you train, get stronger, get used to your gear. But slowly hiking with a pack, adding weight to it as you go, um, doing some training walks will help. Like, don't overdo it. We still have 800 days away. Don't think you need to go balls to the wall. And, you know, by the time the hike is there, you don't want to be burnt yeah. out. I mean, we're going to get our fitness on the trail in a way. We're not going to go from couch to trail. Not me anyways. <laughs> I will get You would shape. die. You'd give up on the first but, day. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So, I mean, one factor getting used to it is the mental part. I think I'll be better at that than you. Yeah, probably. Um, but it's hard to train for that. I bought some books. Reading some books on the trail is going to help you wrap your mind around the trail. I'm going to have to force you or pay you to read them. I don't read. <laughs> so, come on, man. I mean, some books focus on the mental part of the hike. The one I want you to read. I'm going to be pushing you. You know, reading the book. I mean, we've said this. Uh, Cheryl Strayed, if I said that right. Uh, you know, she has a very popular autobiography. I can never say that word. Autobiographical. <laughs> account of a woman you know her hiking the portion of the pct alone in 1995 at age 26 from that book that was like a new york times bestseller there was you know the movie you know wild which in episode one i incorrectly referred to renee but it's reese two friends tell me that i said her name wrong so i'm sorry about that (laughs) but there's so many other books so look i think i think you should read wild or at least watch the movie with me. There's one called Journeys North, which is, I haven't read it yet. I'm going to read it. It's on my to-do list for February. Um, it's not a very long book, but it's really good. It's a great read by uh, a legend, Barney Scout Man. Uh, his trail name is Scout. There's one called Through Hiking Will Break Your Heart. It's not a bad book. Um, and then there's one that's more about the mental part that I want you to read. It's called Pacific Crest Trials by Zach Davis and Carly Morley. Three. Three or four. I mean, you got 800 days. I'll pay you. I'm busy. <laughs> we'll figure it out. So it doesn't hurt to curl up on a couch. You can, we can watch some documentaries. We watch some stuff online with YouTube. Uh, because people make little films about their hikes. So that's always a good thing to, to watch. To soak your, wrap your head around it. By watching those with you... I mean, we can casually chit-chat about things and ideas. I mean, you've learned so much about the trail, but there's so much of the stuff that you don't yep. know. So I think it's good for us to kind of reflect and write down some lists on why we're hiking it. So as we get closer to the hike, you know, we could put that on our phones. That's what people do. They they kind of write out the, the real reason of why they want to hike it and put it into their phone. So on a crap day, 
you know, they can listen to it if they leave a, a voice recording just for, like for motivation, just to, to recap of why you're doing it if you kind of want to quit. So why don't you explain uh, what we came up with and how we're going to eat on the trail? For the, I mean, we're going to work it out, but yeah, we'll... tell, tell everybody what our little plan is so well, far. Well, we'll both have like lightweight titanium stoves with us and each will have a 750 milliliter cook pot to boil water and like cook things in. <laughs> we, and we, and, we, and at the beginning of this episode, we also decided that you're bringing a spork over a spoon. <laughs> yes. Then that sorted out. Yeah. You're also going to be like going to cold soak things like overnight oatmeal and berries for the mornings and sometimes cold soak some dinners to save time and eat when we like set up camp instead of waiting to cook something i mean the stove is super light so carrying that in a plastic jar to cold soak is not a big deal getting into the sierra mountains it's nice to have some hot chocolate or tea or something for like our warm bellies i mean yeah for me i try to have new things to see what i like to eat to get the calories so when you're gonna you're gonna have this big bag i'll just i'll hear this crinkle 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 and you'll have this big bag of marshmallows and you'll be like pouring in your (laughs) yeah exactly but when i hike i'll have the energy so i mean next summer on some training hikes we both will have to try new things to see what tastes good out on the trail and to get our dinner routine down more with practice after setting up camp for the night we both look forward mm-hmm. to town food, obviously. I think that we'll make, yes. like, you get up the hills. <laughs> I'll have to walk in front of you with a photo of a big burger on a plate, like, duct taped to my backpack to keep you up with me and keep you walking. <laughs> I mean, and one thing, too, you're going to be in front of me because I hate it. When I know. I don't know why. Me. You know Every it. Every time I you, go behind you, you do it like, on purpose just to bug me. I know. I don't. I just don't like it. I just want you in front of me. But I don't, I don't like leading. I like, like I, just following. And I don't like you back there because it's like I don't know what the fuck you. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Poking you in the head with a stick. So I shouldn't swear on this podcast. But um, yeah. So we're gonna have to put you in front. Mm-hmm. But why don't you talk about like resupplying and stuff like that? We're not gonna land in the United States. Go to Costco or Walmart, wherever, and stock up for five months of food. Shove it in boxes. Find a California friend or whatever, and then get them to mail them out at certain points. So we, we, we walk into town and pick up our little box because we're gonna get sick of stuff. Sick, sick of eating certain things, anyways, for a little while, and then maybe later on, eat them again. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna use some of the information on what towns where the, the resupply game is kind of weak or expensive, and ship a box out to those places to help to get us to the next town i mean sometimes you know there's only a gas station so you don't really want to buy three days of food at a (laughs) gas station it would the selection won't be that great and it'll be super expensive uh based on the survey i think the average amount of resupplying and that just means like resupplying with food to get to the next point but that comes out to about 28 times the average amount of days in between a resupply is about five days based on the survey you know of those hikers in the survey they averaged about uh, four boxes were prepared beforehand to be mailed out. Um, we've outlined about eight or ten places that we're going to resupply our food and mailing it to ourselves to help in those towns where the selection isn't that great or it's expensive. So instead of buying that food on the trail, when we get into town, 
we're going to have to go to the grocery store and buy a bunch of stuff, you know, that we're kind of digging at the time to eat, you know, factoring in the weight and the calories and, and the taste and how easy it is, you know, to eat and cook and all that kind of stuff. We want to make sure that when we get into camp or, or sit down for lunch, we're happy with them. We got enough food to eat and we want to eat it. But by doing the trail, I mean, I could see us like bringing lots and lots of stuff, I guess. And then you get to the next town, you still got a bunch Mm -hmm. of food to eat. So we'll get better at bringing the right amount of stuff needed because you don't want that extra weight on your back. Uh, But we'll learn better about our calorie intake as well. And we'll, we'll make adjustments. Uh, We're going to get hiker hunger. It's going to kick in down the trail and we can open up our mouth and fill in that lovely pie hole with anything to eat with unlimited food. You do that now. Obviously, food is energy, makes your body move, uh, and makes it, you know, hike the trail. And on the other hand, that can lead to a large expense. So what we're going to do is we're going to close off the episode now. Uh, we'll Our next episode, we're going to come back. We're going to talk more about the costs of the trail, talk about more of um, our costs and what we're forecasting. We're going to talk a little bit about our fears, some of the dangers about the trail. And so I think we're going to do that. This episode has actually gone quite a long time. We just want to get this episode out of the way so that friends and family who who want to listen more, to want to understand the trail a little more, they'll they'll listen. So and I think I think they'll be able to follow along. If anyone has any questions, you know, just let us know. So, Chantel, why don't you finish this off, finish off the episode, shut off the lights behind you. It's 10 minutes after 11 in the morning. you got school tomorrow. No, it's tomorrow. 1 in the morning. <laughs> 10 minutes That's after right. 1. I see, I see 1, 1, 1, 11. 1. Yeah, 1, 11. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got school at 8 o'clock in the morning, but yep. usually you stay up to what? You're a night owl, so you... You probably got another hour and a half up just goofing yeah. around on your phone. Yes. But why don't you just close this off? Sounds good. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to hear our future podcasts. Gear and links to things we talked about can be found in the show notes on our website at hikethepetc.ca. In the podcast section, special thanks to our sponsors, Triple Crown Coffee, Purple Brain Adventure Skirts, and MEC. Thanks to our musical artists, Trampled by Turtles, for the opening song. And finally, thank you for our Patreons who help support us in making this goal become a reality. We can't thank you guys enough. We should recognize individually some of our Patreons, so let's go backwards and we will highlight the most recent person in each podcast. We can move our work closer to their original OGs. Today we want to recognize Bethany L, who is our big three supporter tier. Thank you. Thank you. She is been with us for three months and she is planning on hiking the PTC in the same year as us with her daughter. We are looking forward to doing Zoom calls to introduce ourselves to each other. We can also share our planning with you, which is all in Evernote. I'm sure my dad will talk your head <laughs> off about it. <laughs> yeah. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any feedback or any questions about our hike, please let us know in the link below on our website on our contact page to record your question for us. We would love to answer them in future episodes. We hope our trip inspires you to get outside and push yourself a little. It's always nice to get outside into nature and enjoy what is around us. 
Until next time, find us and follow us on socials as we prepare for the hardest thing we've ever tried to accomplish in life. Take care. Take care. Don't forget to follow us on social. Our handle is PCT Just Do It, which is PCTJSDOIT. We use that handle on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. You can find links to our social channels and other links on our website, hikethepct.ca. And when you hit the menu on the website, we have other things like our gear lists, PCT trail notes, projected expenses, current savings and other links, and other information about our hike. Here is the last teasy commercial. If you heard this a couple times, just end the episode. Have a great day. Hey, Dan here. We decided to make a little Facebook page for the podcast. So if you search on Facebook, A Long Walk North Podcast, it should come up as a page. And we just thought, you know what, it will help with engagement, meaning... If you have a question for us, if you have a question that you want us to answer on the podcast, ask it. Put a comment in any post. If you have any feedback, feedback whether it's a certain episode or just in general, things that we're doing right, things that we're not doing right, things that bug you, any recommendations, suggestions, any guests that you want us to reach out to to see if they'll come on our podcast and talk. But anyways, we have a Facebook page. We're not going to post a ton of stuff, but it will help you alert you if there's something new. So go find it. Put a link in the description for the episode as well. Okay, enough of this. On with life. Talk soon.